and welcome to this. It's episode 23, I think, of the Effective Faith podcast. Now, we're trialling something a bit different uh, this week and from now on. So the Effective Faith podcast is is going to be uh, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the usual places. But you can also find it now on YouTube as well. So this is episode 23 and it's a podcast that's uh, running roughly every two weeks. We're answering questions about productivity, tools, gear and things that are going to help us get things done as well as thinking about theology, Christian living and approaching how to get things done in a way that supports our well-being and helps us to honour Jesus better. My name's Chris Wood and I run Effective Faith and I'm your host for the podcast. Before we dive in today and think about how to avoid a productivity obsession, I'd like to encourage you, if you value this podcast, then please do uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review on your podcast app of choice, like the video. It really helps to get it to be seen and heard by more people. And if you know of anyone who you think this particular episode might be helpful for, then please do pass it on to them. Obsessions are dangerous. We develop an obsession when something, anything, takes on a far greater importance in our headspace than it actually warrants. In any case, this is bad news, but in the extreme, it can be downright harmful. Why? Because you only have so much headspace. And as that one thing takes up more and more and more, then inevitably the space available for everything else gets smaller and smaller and smaller. In the worst case scenario, the thing that you obsess over takes over your entire life, leaving you with little capacity to give your attention to anything else whatsoever. And it can happen with anything. We can obsess over our fitness, we can obsess over our weight, we can obsess over our our home, our family life, our parenting. We can obsess over past events, particular problems that are facing us today. But my concern right now is how do we avoid a productivity obsession? Now, I want to flag at the outset that some of the things that I've listed uh, just a moment ago, there can be real deep trauma involved that fuels the obsession and makes it very difficult to move on. And this is totally understandable. And obviously, if that's you, there are people that can help. And um, I would highly recommend that you think about that. But obviously, today we're thinking about a productivity obsession. With productivity, there can be many things that fuel that obsession. Uh, I would advise you to check out my blog series uh, on toxic productivity. Uh, if I can, I'll stick the links in the show notes, uh, both of the podcast and of the YouTube video, so that you can check those out. Um, I've got four posts. What is toxic productivity and where does it come from? The cost of toxic productivity, parts one and two. And finally, toxic productivity, a better, a better way. In this area of productivity, too much focus on it can be harmful. And so here are some thoughts on how to avoid a productivity obsession. Now, in my personal experience, there are three main ways that a productivity obsession can manifest itself. 
But at their core, they're all fueled by the same thing. So those three ways would be app switching, always trying out the new, the latest, the most exciting tool, tinkering with our systems, our processes, etc., within the existing apps that we have, and lastly, over planning. Now, the thinking behind each of these is often the desire to have a productivity system that is totally and utterly bulletproof. That means you never miss anything and you're always on top of everything all of the time. Think about it. We switch apps because we're convinced that with a better app, better features, better functions, it's going to show us everything that we need to see in exactly the right way that we need to see it in any given moment. Or maybe there are features that we think are going to automate some of these things for us, meaning that we can continuously improve the system that we have because of the apps that we're using. So we switch, or worse, we try to incorporate the app additionally into our system on top of and alongside all of the others that we're already using. We tinker with our systems and our processes for the same basic reason, constantly trying to improve things so that we can be more effective at keeping on top of everything, adding in different views, different dashboards, different processes, different ways of doing things, either because the app offers these new features and we want to use them, or because maybe we see somebody on YouTube, we see them doing it, and we think, well, that looks great. That's going to help me. And so we add it on. And then we plan. We try to exercise control over our time, control over our lives. And to an extent, this is just wise. Self-control in any area of life is wise and good. And this is true when it comes to our use of time and our time management as well. But there comes a point where it is overkill. Now, I've talked about this uh, in another blog post, which, again, I'll try and link in the in the show notes in the description, planning overkill. You see, we seek to exercise more control than it is actually possible for us to do, planning in ever more excruciating detail because we become increasingly obsessed with making absolutely sure that every second counts and that we don't waste a single moment of our time. You see, all of this is an attempt to significantly improve our control and to make our productivity system, as I said, bulletproof, ensuring we never miss anything. And it feels so valuable, doesn't it? But let's look at the costs on a purely basic level. Every time you switch apps, there's a huge time cost, both in the playing around, the tinkering to see what might work for you, but then also in the actual migration of all of your data and all of your information into the new app, and then in the time lost learning how to use it and set it all up and organise it in the way that you want. There's a huge time cost when we switch apps. Every time you add a new app or an additional app into your system, as well as the time cost of switching and learning and moving things across. Then, you know, there's the time cost in figuring out what goes where, where are you going to put this, which app does it go in, 
where's it best suited, figuring out what might be where when you come to look for things in the future, and then learning how the new system is going to work, the new processes that you're going to need to put in place to, to actually organise all of that stuff. And then every time you tinker with your current setup in any way, there's the cost again of figuring it out and there's the risk which I call the risk of being like the old sat-nav. Now, our old sat-nav, when driving north up the A1 in the UK, it would direct me to come off the A1 onto the M18, which is another motorway in England, and then drive 6.6 .6 miles uh, west along the M18 to the next junction, come off, go round the roundabout, come back onto the M18 to drive the same 6.6 .6 miles back along the M18 to the A1 to come back on the A1 at the exact point that we left and then continue north on the A1. The old sat-nav, i.e. the additional app, the additional process that you add to your system is totally useless, serves no purpose, but it costs you extra time to include it, to follow it. These are some of the pure and basic costs of app switching, of tinkering, of over planning. So how do you avoid this? How do you avoid a productivity obsession? Well, as always, I've got two things for you to think about. First, you need to look at core issues and second, implement some practical safeguards. Now, the core issues of this are addressed in large part in the post that I mentioned before, Toxic Productivity, A Better Way. So I won't go into loads and loads of detail about it here, although in a subsequent episode I might go into more detail about that. But it's my view that the need to be totally on top of everything all of the time is a need that is primarily motivated by, motivated by fear, and that that fear is firstly the fear of the unknown and secondly a fear of failure or of rejection or of not being not being valued and valuable as i've explained explained previously elsewhere these fears are only ever truly cast aside i believe by grace by being accepted on the grounds of that grace and not on the grounds of our performance you see, grace is what overcomes the fear-driven obsession of having a bulletproof productivity system. It's that acknowledgement that we're not perfect, that we cannot be perfect, that we cannot always be on top of things all the time, that we do and will make mistakes, we do and will miss things, and that human weakness and fallibility is all part of human nature and we can't avoid that. And accepting that, accepting that we can't fully control everything, that we can't always be on top of everything, is a part of the core issue of addressing uh, this problem of productivity obsessions, of always wanting to have as much control as we can. I do encourage you to check out that blog post, Toxic Productivity, A Better Way. But I wanted in this uh, podcast, in this video, to focus more on the practical safeguards and so I want to suggest five of them for us to think about. Number one, whenever you encounter a new technique, 
a new system, a new app, then ask the following questions. Is there anything that I'm not currently doing or that I'm doing particularly badly that this new app, this new system, this new process is actually going to help with? That's the first question. Next question, what parts of my system that I'm currently using is this new thing going to replace in order to avoid duplication? What am I getting rid of in order to incorporate this new thing? And then lastly, to what extent is this actually going to provide a benefit to improve my system in the short, medium and long term? And is it actually worth the cost of implementing it? And if you ask those three questions, whenever you encounter a new technique, new app, new system, that's going to help you think about it in a, uh, in a much more beneficial way as to whether or not it's actually a good thing to include before you do so. Second practical thing. I would block out a few days, either once a year or perhaps every six months, in a quieter time of your working and uh, personal life, to go through your whole system in detail, review every part, every app. You see, this is your time to allow your imagination to get the better of you, to try new things, give time to considering how they might work, how they might replace and improve upon what you already do. You see, in general, whenever you want to consider something new, plan to do it in these times as far as you can. Wait for them rather than just jumping on it and doing it straight away. But if you can't do that, if you can't wait six months for the next time you review a system, failing this, then don't try anything out in the moment. This is the third safeguard. If you come across a new app, a new Notion template, or a new technique, or a new system, you're watching something on YouTube or whatever, make a note of it in the normal fashion for how you capture stuff into your system, and then make a plan as you would normally for when you might look into it, explore it, consider it, rather than dropping everything as soon as you finish the video or finish reading the blog post or finish listening to the podcast or finish reading the review of the app. Don't drop everything and go to it straight away. Just capture it into your system, make a note, plan it in in the normal way for when you're actually going to think about it, explore it, try it out, test it. Number four, if you want to switch to a new app, ask if you are prepared to commit to it for at least three months before considering switching again to another app or switching back. You see, you can't really know if the new app is going to work for you without at least three months of usage or Maybe you could try out using the app for two or three projects, for example, just to see how it works alongside your current system, run two or three projects inside this new app. I did that with ClickUp, for example, and there might be a video on that coming down the line. And then lastly, my fifth practical safeguard, try to examine things in the context of the system that they come from before making any big decisions. So here's an example of what I mean. Um, a couple of months back, I watched a video by Ali Abdul on his Trident approach to time management. 
um, it, you can check out that video on YouTube. It's basically a three-pronged approach to time management, hence the name Trident. And I really liked two of the three things that he does. And I considered adding those two things to my own planning system. But those two things, they work for him as a part of his whole system. And I can't assume that they'll just neatly slot into mine and tack onto mine without causing duplication, without causing wasted effort. You see, these things that Ali does, they're a part of a system that works for him. And that's a system that's not going to include some of the things that I do. And therefore, I would advise a lot of caution before tacking on or adding on things to your system that you see other people doing because everything is in context and it works for them as part of the context of the whole. You see, these safeguards, they're specifically designed to prevent you developing a system, a way of managing your time, your tasks, your work, your projects, that includes so many different elements from so many different places that it becomes impossible to maintain. And it means that your life is spent obsessing over your productivity system and not actually doing your work, not actually living your life. Yes, you, you might have the most wonderful ever productivity system designed by human thought. It's something that I like to call the Eisenhower Ivy Lee Time Sector GTD Para PPV Code Coat Bento Pomodoro Batching Blocket Bullet Journal of Zen Method. You might have this system but are you actually being effective in the day-to-day? -day? Are you actually getting the important things done? That's the key question. You might have a wonderful system that takes your entire day and life to keep it going. And that's not being productive. That's not being effective. So how do we avoid a productivity system? We address the core issues. And we put in some safeguards to stop us from flitting around to every new app, every new technique. Um, and I hope you found this helpful. If you have found this helpful, then please uh, do leave a review of the podcast, share it. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. One of the things we do on the podcast is, is I take questions from listeners. So if you do have a question about productivity, about time management, about all of the, the different things that we talk about on the podcast, then please do drop me an email. That's effectivefaith15.58 at gmail.com. Or you can use the contact form on effectivefaith.org. If you're listening on Spotify, you should also be able to ask the question directly in the Q&A box on Spotify. Now, thank you again for listening. Thank you again for watching. Remember, you can be very productive without being very effective.